I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into the nightmares. There it is! Caught! Touchdown! Raiders! You're listening to the Autumn Windbags, an audio attack from the Silver and Black. Here are your windbags, R.J. Clifford and Juan Soto. Yeah, this is another episode of the Autumn Windbags. R.J. Clifford, Juan Soto, let's have some fun today. You're hearing a little hoarseness in our voices. Um, both sick. No, we didn't get it from the same chick, making out with the same girl. Two o- opposite things. Sore throat on this end. Not once, not twice, but thrice COVID survivor Soto on the other side. It's almost like I'm embarrassed. Like, who, who, who's still getting COVID now? Like, it's, Are you taking it, tours of Wuhan laboratories on your off days? terrible. I just got to stop God. eating bats. I got to stop eating bats is what it is. My God, man. I COVID. felt I felt a little like... Oh, 2021. I know, man. Just so like, you're What's still doing that? Yeah, I felt almost embarrassed. I was just more annoyed than anything. It's like the new Puka shell. Like, who does that now? You Come know on, I mean? bro. Really, bro? So old. Also, uh, dry January from me. Wrapping up, we're recording this January 31st, Wednesday night. Hours away from my January, dry January being over. And moving, I'm 90% moved out, 60% moved in. And for people who've recently moved, you know that math checks out. Where you've got like almost all your stuff out, but it doesn't go directly where it's supposed to go. Like you don't take something, like you don't take a stack of dishes from one kitchen and it goes directly into another kitchen. It goes into a box and then goes into a garage and then goes into a truck and then goes into another garage and onto the floor and then onto another floor and then into the, where it belongs. All my stuff is in that. And you have to throw away the box and And you get, get, Oh, but save that box. We need to go get to pick the other, other stuff up. So it's been a little sick, dry January. You can tell how disheveled I am by how bad my neck beard is. You can tell, like I haven't shaved in a long time. Irritation or something going on down there. Well, or? it's just it's just hairy. I just I just because I got a beard, and then I shaved the neck, right? Try to have the clean look, and mm-hmm. I just haven't gotten around to it. You can always tell, RJ's disheveled because the neck beard's going out. But we wouldn't miss an episode of the Autumn Windbags. No, that's not our style. We don't do that. We don't miss. And it's a good thing too because there's so much to get to. Uh, so let's get right to it. Now that we have our head coach. Even before, even more important than GM. Obviously, we have Telesco, but once head coach was done, number one, number two, number three priority. Who's going to be under center for the Raiders? Who's going to be QB one? Who's it going to be, and what's going to look like? And we all know how I feel about the draft and signing guys. It's like the draft is a crapshoot. You go with who you think. You do your research. You map things out. You do the interviews. You do the footage. You talk to their third grade best friends. You measure the size of their hands. You get all the info and you make your best decision accordingly. I did not think you were going to say hands. You measure the size of their Adam's apple. You do all your work. You do all your homework. But even the very, very, very best drafters hit like 56%. Like if you're absolutely elite, you you hit a little over 50% of the time, right? If you're the very best. And so that's why I'm like, you don't sell your future for a guy. That's just, I just never felt like that's the way to go because you're betting, you know, it's a roulette wheel that you're going with, right? You go with multiple. I I like you go with multiple guys. That's why I'm thinking what we should do is we just load up that QB room 
with a diverse set of three individuals and the cream rises to the top, right? Um, you're a little bit different mentality than me, but not too, not too different. I think you're a little bit more willing to like trust in your scouts and go get a guy. I'm kind of a little bit more value. Mm. That's where we differ a little bit. And we were texting back and forth today. Um, you've got a sleeper that you were interested in. I had my philosophy. And so we're like, let's figure out what do we want the Raiders quarterback room to look like day one of the preseason, right? What do we want it to look like? Not because I'm not going to say like, oh, Jane Daniels is, he's clearly our guy. Maybe you guys think that. Maybe you're right. If he, if we draft him and he crushes it, come back later and say, <laughs> I told you so, RJ, right? That's not how I, I, there's, there's no guy out there unless we can get a hold of Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or one of these guys we can't get a hold of. There's no one where I'm just like, that's, that's available to us where I can say, yeah, all our eggs in that basket. Let's move forward right away. No one exists in football right now. That's that for me. So what do you want your quarterback room to look like Soto? Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I can go first. You go first. So I want there to be. So look, we know what Aiden O'Connell is. We know what Farva is, right? He's shown us he's got a pretty, pretty, you know, high floor, but his ceiling is, you know, as far as ceilings go, it's not that high. Yeah. Okay. So he's got a he's got a good pocket of where he's gonna be. Can you win games with that? Sure. Can you win games late in the season and in the playoffs with that? You're not going to be able to win multiple games on the road with an Aiden O'Connell as your quarterback from what he's shown us, unless he makes drastic improvement, which, you, 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 to be fair, some quarterbacks have made big jumps in years two or year three, right? And God only knows what he's capable of without the stank of Josh McDaniels. That's True. a big wild card, too, right? I'm going off of what we've seen and what I've seen from him in college and kind of what we what we kind of, even at his best, what he's been as far as regular season games go. So he's that kind of like middle ground guy where if he's going to be your guy this year, maybe next year, you can still win some games with this guy, but he's not going to be a long-term answer to go against the Mahomes and the Herberts and the, and the Allens and all these guys multiple times a year, especially late in games, late in seasons in the playoffs. Um, I want absolutely some, want him in the room. Yes. But we're not banking on him to be QB one. Yeah. Like I was telling you earlier, like he's an average to slightly above average quarterback, which I thought our last quarterback was, and you don't move on from that to, for the same thing, just for the sake of saving some cap space. Like you, you want to improve on the position, which is why I started, I was looking at preliminary things, looking at, you know, the draft and, and different, and different things. And man, this Joe Milton kid, is uh, starting to impress me a little bit. Okay. Um, so kind of like along the same lines as what we talked about AP, right? So AP has a lot of things you can't teach. And the things that he needs to learn um, about being a head coach, he can do that. He can, act, he can learn that, right? In-game decision-making, you know, stuff like that. But as far as like knowing the game, being able to talk to people, being a, being able to get a, a, a large group of seventy some odd people united for the for the same purpose, 
preaching uh, competition, all that stuff that it's very difficult for people like, let's say, Josh McDaniels to do. Like he can't connect to that person personally to motivate them. It's almost like he's shaming you. Oh, it's your job. You have to do this type of thing, right? Yeah. Joe Milton is kind of like that same thing where he has a lot of the things that you can't teach. Dude, 6'5", like 235, 240. He runs a sub 4'8", he can. He's got the strongest arm in the draft, probably, just by just pure arm strength. He's if he if he goes into the NFL next year and plays extended time, he's going to have one of the strongest arms in the, in the draft. Just just out there as a rookie, mm-hmm. and he 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 threw the ball down the field like forty five yards on his back heel, flipping it like just flipping it, and the ball just 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 shoots off of his hand. Um, some of the accuracy issues could be because of that, but I think the the high ceiling project quarterback is something that you can have when you have a steady Eddie like Farva on your team. And to round out the whole mixture, um, I would say a a veteran that has shown to be able to maybe be a little bit more dynamic either with his arm or with his legs in the past than uh, Aiden O'Connell has shown you, but for whatever reason hasn't put it together or has been in bad situations, something like that. Those would be a good three-pronged approach. What I'm looking for in this next quarterback that we're – if we do draft a quarterback, I think we will draft a quarterback, is I need some tangibles here. I need some high-end physical attributes on a quarterback that we can take the time to develop a la like a a, a, – like a Hertz or like a Mahomes, he had all his talent and didn't really know how to play quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. So we differ a little bit in how how to get there. But what we can't ignore is, by and large, most of the quarterbacks that were winning playoff games were first-round quarterbacks. And they were quarterbacks that had high – and physical attributes. Um, hell, even Brock Purdy, dude. Brock Purdy is not known to be like a speedster, but if he gets out of the pocket, he was ripping off 20-yard runs, right? Yeah, wiggle. Yeah, he's got some wiggle in him. And that's that's the one thing I think that Aiden O'Connell is missing in his game. He can't get those – he can't make you pay for playing super tight coverage on the outside. He can't make you pay by running up the middle and getting those 10, 12-yard gains. So – He's limited in that respect. So what I'm saying is you have your steady Eddie. You get your vet just in case you need him. That's got some skill and a little bit bit left in the tank. And you get your high-end physical attribute project guy. And hopefully you develop develop him down the road. Yeah, Joe Milton, for what it's worth, Mel Kuyper has him as the 10th quarterback going off the board. So he's coming coming off late. He's at least like a third-round guy. He's probably going to be in the fourth or fifth round next in the draft. I don't. I don't see. I don't see with with what what I'm seeing on the offensive line. It's a lot deeper than I thought, and uh, I just don't see him. I don't see him coming off the board any sooner than like the fourth. Because even a third uh, round pick is pretty high. So if you if you were like Joe Milton, um, I my mine is more like again because I'm 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 less 
I'm less into individual draft picks than you are. I'm more like, all right, value and uh, balancing things out, right? So, Farva, QB3. He needs to be QB3, right? And then I want a good vet to rookie ratio. So if we go a fourth round pick, right? We let's say let's say we do go Milton, right? Very, very big gamble, right? On a the 10th overall quarterback-ish, fourth round pick. Huge gamble that he's working out, right? Like most fourth round quarterbacks don't become franchise quarterbacks, right? Um, if we do that, then I want a really good veteran quarterback like one of the best veteran quarterbacks available that we can get, right? We're clearly moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll bite that cap hit, move on. So if that happens, then I want Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, like the best free agents kind of out there, right? And and make no mistake, people are like, oh, Kirk Cousins, these are the best quarterback free agents out there, right? Like, yeah, he's not he's not choosing from like a pool of like, like I, Everybody. I'm getting it's realistically draft here. It's like who's like, available. Like who realistically can we get is what I'm going off of. Not like my pick of the litter. You know what I mean? Those are the basically the three best. You know, and there's you a think, really. You good think Farva would be three in, in in that scenario? Yeah, I think so. Because and I for a couple of reasons. One, I I, I the veteran is going to be paid. Yeah, the veteran will be one, but you don't think Farva would be two? With ah, with well. I'm hoping this is the thing. To be fair, to be fair, I haven't seen a lot of his bad tape yet. And I want to find it. Well, a couple things. We don't have we know who our offensive coordinator is. And that's going to be such a big part of this, right? If we have an offensive coordinator that needs a running quarterback, you know, there you go. An offensive coordinator that kind of leans to more Farva style of play, that's going to be drastic in this decision making process, right? So let's Mm -hmm. we don't that's a giant wild card. Two, um, like you said, I I think the coaches think the same about Farva as we do, that we more or less know what he is until drastically proven otherwise. Yeah. So is is obviously more playing time is going to be good for Farva, but is it going to exponentially change him more than a rookie? I don't think so. I think they're I think they're going to want their rookie getting more playing time than Farva. Again, unless Farva knocks her. But, but as, as, as I text you today, if Farva is our starting quarterback next season. We either a royally screwed up our quarterback situation, like drastically fucked up, or B, he drastically improved. Improved. One of those one it has to be an extreme either we giantly fucked up or or Josh McDaniels like poisoned him and he's this diamond in the rough that can be amazing for us, right? Like it's gonna have to be one of those two things if he's playing if he's starting for us next season. And I would be the happiest, like you gotta root for Farva. Like it would be the best feel-good story if Farva like earned earned a QB one spot. You know what I mean? Like beat out, you know, Baker or something, just outplayed him. He's just better than Kirk cousins or whatever it is. Like that'd be amazing story. Right. But that's just a story at this point. So, so if we do something like, you know, we go, we go with your, you know, your 10th quarterback off the board. I want the best free agent quarterback available to like a two or three year deal. If we do, you know, we're not going to, very low chance we're going to go after Caleb or Drake. But if we do, I still want a veteran. I don't want just a second-year quarterback and a rookie in that quarterback room. I still want another veteran. But if we are if we spent all that draft capital on Jaden or whoever, then we can do like a Flacco, a Minshew, a veteran, but we don't want to pay good money, right? Like just, just you know, two years, 12 million on, 
Tannehill or whatever, right? Like just something, Ooh. something like something. I want to, I want a veteran in the room, but it's a guy that we're just like, okay, we're, we're not planning on playing you. You're just, you're just there. Right. And so that's more what I'm into is making sure our ratio is good. If we're going all out for quarterback in the draft, cool. If the math works out, we're not getting our, our you know, we're not getting pants. We're not getting fleeced by some team. That's going to charge us three firsts and a Max Crosby for somebody. Great. We'll, we'll do that. Then we can, we can skimp on the veteran. If we're rolling the dice, wait until round three or four for our quarterback. And we're like, Hey, we think we got a diamond in the rough, but we're taking a huge gamble. Then I'm going to want Baker, Russell Wilson, someone like that, like a, you know, two year, $28 million deal or something like that with one of those guys. The, 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 the biggest takeaway I took from, from that is we have to get the right offensive coordinator for the quarterback because these, these quarterbacks all have different things that they do well. Mm-hmm. And some sometimes I've heard it a lot. Well, oh, yeah, it's, it's pointless to watch highlight tape because it's it just are their great play. Well, slow down a second here. It's very valuable finding out what some what someone does well. Yeah. Right. Uh, my background in my former life, I had a company that did. Um, I was uh, like a consultant, right? I go in there and see, you know, best practices and stuff like that, right? And there's a big misconception out there that you spend most of your time on- Every time you say like my job was consultant, all I think of is like the the bachelorette and like the the dudes who had no jobs, they'd put like consultant, entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. (laughs) It's like, all right, this guy's literally waits tables, but he's good. He's 6'3 and great looking. So we're going to put, you know, consultant. (laughs) Legion. Uh, But a big misconception with a lot of the companies that I went to go like audit and stuff is they spent way too much time on, on the under producers. Okay. There's, 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 I mean, if you're, if you're like a bottom of the barrel football player, yeah, you want to coach them up a little bit, but you, you really make your money. You really get the biggest bang for your buck on and getting those average guys to be above average or really good. So, of course, you want to. You don't have to coach Devontae and, and Mac. You don't have to coach those guys hard, right? Because they're self-starters. They go in there. They're driven. You just keep them pointing in the right direction, right? The good players who could become really good, you spend some time on them. Those average guys spend a little bit more to make them either above average or really good players. The, the, the bottom of the barrel guys, they need to learn because most of them aren't going to be around too much longer anyway, right? So it's like you don't waste all your time trying to coach up the guys that are at the bottom of the barrel. You, you you spend your time on the middle and a, a little bit above that to get them to improve. Because honestly, you want your stars. You you need stars to win. You need good players to win. So you want to get as many as you can into that good, very good range. Yeah. So how do you do that? Is you you look for attributes. You look for traits of these good players. Do this. You 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 find your your mold. This specific position, I like this in this player, right? Mm. And uh, like, uh, um, who was it? Uh, what's his name? Bill Parcells. My corners need to be six one or taller. They need to be this the way this much, and you run this fast. If you bring somebody that's not that, he better walk on water. Mm. Because once you start making exceptions, you have a team full of exceptions. And why have a model of what you're looking for in a position if you're not going to stick to it? So finding out what someone does well is really important. And 
if you get the right offensive coordinator that can build off of what someone does well while working on those things that he doesn't do well, you he, some of these younger players can play sooner than maybe in past years because people aren't the the way of the Josh McDaniels. It's it's a it's an old antiquated mindset. This is my system. You do this way, the way I do it, and that's it. It's more like look look what happened when Steichen leaves the Philly, Philly and then they have uh, what was it Brian Johnson? He ended up getting mm-hmm. fired because. He wasn't Shane Steichen as the offensive coordinator of, the, of Philadelphia, and Jalen Hurts just didn't play as well. Uh, when when you when a team loses a good offensive coordinator that's working with a young quarterback, uh, what's his name, Dable, with with the Bills. I mean, Josh Allen's just freaking Josh Allen. He's a beast, but the offense didn't look as good. Mm-hmm. So you, you got to pair that coordinator with the quarterback, especially a young quarterback, to develop them. And to focus on the things that he does really well. So that's why I think it's when I started looking at the good things of some of these quarterbacks, the the gooder the good things are, the better. Because the bad things are usually things that you can fix because batter. it's the batter things, yeah, are 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 really not that far off. If that makes Arva sense. Arva off. Uh, I'm with you. Um, so that's that's the two biggest things I'm looking for is the two things we brought up is I want a loaded quarterback room where competition is the wrong word. If like, you know, we're drafting a Jaden Daniels, then like, you know, we're we're going that gonna high. Starter, we're, he's going to be the starter. We're throwing everything we can to make him the starter. But a diverse group of guys that buoys what we're doing. That's what I'm looking for is a, a diverse quarterback room of skill sets that um, not diverse skill sets in the sense, just like different things can happen for this guy to perform. And on the flip side is whoever offensive coordinator is fitting that mold. That's, that's what I'm looking for in the quarterback room. Again, I'm very less into like, this is our guy, do whatever it takes to grab may that doesn't work. Like that, that's not a recipe for success. It's, it's an odds game. It's a numbers game loading up like you're playing craps like you've got money on all the numbers that you you know and you researched your numbers you're still doing that work you're trying to give yourself every you know every one percentage advantage you can but it's putting all your chips in the right place so that when something lands you're there and ready to go yeah so for every for every josh allen that the bills traded up twice for and patrick mahomes where the chiefs traded up like 15 spots for right Mm -hmm. for every one of those there's a mitch trubitsky who the bears traded up for Mm -hmm. or a uh a a trey lance right like for every so so there's for every one there's another the thing is it's very difficult If, if, if you don't plan on picking at the top of the draft it's very difficult to get those guys with those really high end traits if you don't go up and get them Mm-hmm. So if if for whatever reason Jaden Daniels slips past like San, Di- uh, San Diego, the Chargers, we got to go up and get him, man. Like yeah. it's because at, it's, that, at that point it's a value move, right? You're not yeah. you're not you're not you know emptying. You're not showing up at like the Panthers facility or Bears facility with bags of gold bullion. You're like, oh, number nine or whatever. Okay, here's a first. He ain't uh, making it past eight, bro. Here's eight a first. Is, 
Here's the first and a second, right? Like there, then it's like, then it's a good value play, right? Then you say like, okay, we can, we can commit to this guy because the numbers and math add up. That's what I'm looking for is being, being, being the wheeler and dealer in the room. And it's for the first 20, last 20 years, it's been the opposite. It's been, we've been the one at the draft with our pants down. Like now it's time for us to be the guys to do that. Yeah. We, we have to be ready to strike when the time is if the opportunity arises because look six is the giants depending on what the giants do if the giants don't want to go quarterback there's no reason for them to stay there because they need a lot that's that's the skill of that that is the true skill of drafting not being able to say like oh i always pick the guys that'll succeed it's you've gone through every scenario this team picked that guy this team went running back this team went lineman if they go db then we're gonna go receiver if this guy's a, that's where the skill set lies oh Jaden daniels dropped to eight Jaden daniels dropped to 10 where what are what are we doing who's there what do we have available being prepared in that three minutes to pull the trigger that's what i want telesco to be able to, to be able to do that's the skill set i'm looking for the sweets jumping up into the top three or four that's going to be super expensive, very difficult to do. But jumping into six or seven, depending on what the Giants want to do, and depending on – because Tennessee has has their young quarterback that they like, yep. okay? And the Giants still may be rolling the dice with freaking Daniel Jones. I don't know, man. He, he's got another another year under, under his contract, right? So we just can't let it get to eight because there's no way that Atlanta's not going to take a Jaden Daniels if he's there. Uh, and then, uh, nine, who, who's nine, nine is, uh, is the bears again, who knows what the hell they're going to do. The jets aren't going to, aren't going to pick a quarterback. I don't think they're in win now mode, like right now mode, but Minnesota, Minnesota might take, might take a Jaden Downs if he's there. Denver for sure. will take a Jaden Downs if he's there. So we cannot sit at 13 and expect to get Jaden Daniels. I think if Jaden Daniels makes it past five, Try to go to six or try to go into seven and take him there uh, because he's not going to get too much further past. I don't think he's going to get past eight if he's there. Well, one thing we haven't talked about because he kind of exists in his own universe because it seems like every other report out of ESPN is pointing this to actually being a thing. Uh, with the Bears with the number one pick getting it from the Panthers, they're in a wonderful situation. Do you go and get Caleb Williams from SC, the the prospect of all prospects. And if you do, then you've got Justin Fields who's only played three seasons of football on a rookie deal and has a lot of starting experience. There's a lot of value to that. Um, ESPN for the second time in this exercise has hypothesized that Justin Fields will go to the Raiders in this scenario uh, for a couple reasons. Um, Champ Kelly was the was part of the Bears squad that drafted him, so there's a little little bit of a tie in there. Two, um, to say Raiders are win now, that would be factual, but not a like sell the future win now. You know, it's not, you know, get all these old free agents to win now. It's just like, okay, if this defense continues, which is again, to be fair, a big F. Like we're all hoping we're bringing the guys back. Patrick Graham keeps doing what he's doing, but it, it could have been a fluke that those last, you know, 12 games of last season could be fluky or it could be the future, right? Yet to be seen. An O-line that played better than the sum of its parts and a bunch of great weapons. So again, OC and quarterback away from really being something here, right? So maybe you go all you 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 go into a win now mode with like a Justin Fields. 
um, because it's his third deal, uh, third year, we would have to, we, we would pick up his fifth year, which means there's 6 billion against the cap this season, 22 next season. So basically we pick him up. It's a two year, $28 million deal for a starting quarterback. Not bad for just for, for Justin Fields. ESPN's guessing it would cost a second and a seventh for Fields. Not nothing too crazy there. Um, that's a situation where I'd be really, really happy with your boy from Tennessee as our, as our quarterback project. Like that would be a nice situation where you've got three, uh, uh, a fourth year guy, a second year guy and a rookie, two of them with very similar skill sets fields and, and, uh, and your volunteer. I kind of like it. It doesn't wow anybody, but also you got to understand we're, we're not getting Patrick Holmes. We're not getting Lamar Jackson. Like, get those out of your mind. Of the guys that are reachable, Justin Fields on the cheap, giving us a chance to save that first round pick for a corner that we desperately need, uh, you know, whatever we're going to desperately need. I kind of like this move. Let's say you. I was thinking the exact same thing. If this is the, if this is like the veteran that we're going to get, if you can call a fourth year guy a veteran. Um, I, I am looking for some, something or a quarterback that has, is more dynamic. It's what I've been talking about forever. We need someone that's more dynamic, someone who can, who's a more modern quarterback who can make off schedule plays. And we, we had that, a, a somewhat with, with, with Carr, where he was, he was able to make off schedule plays, but he wasn't really as dynamic as you would want someone who like he can't he's not gonna like wow you with his foot speed or anything like that. Yeah. Uh and it wasn't until Gruden that he could actually like move a little bit in the pocket. Like it yeah, it, it took him forever to be it able wasn't to natural and like it, he did it, but he wasn't really great at it. He's he still was you know, did the whole tuck and roll thing a couple times in the pocket. So it's like okay. Uh and Farva's that's not his game at all. Yeah. But Favre is a good backup if you need a steady 80 to get in there and keep a lead for you and, you know, maybe get your touchdown in a half or, you know, throw a couple of field goals up just to kind of pad a lead, right? Protect the ball. Protect the ball. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to be smart with it. And then you still have your guy that's the super talent. I mean, if you have a lot of talent on on on, on, your, on your quarterback room, it's not a bad thing. Uh, you just, again, the big D word, man, develop. You got to be able to develop. And if you have a an offensive coordinator who is willing to adjust to what Justin Fields does well, that's when you do want to watch a highlight reel tape of Justin Fields. Yeah. What is where does he excel? What throws does he do the best? Where is he the most comfortable? How can I get him in these situations? How do I avoid other situations? And you build something around that around what he does well, and you just disguise it. You disguise it with with motion, with formations, with personnel pack. You disguise what you're trying to do. Um, and Justin Fields going to be a very, you know, productive player uh, with his dynamic play. He, he can bring a lot uh, to uh, to the team, and especially if him and, like, a, a guy like a – dude, I, I was really impressed with Jacoby Meyer – with, with how he played. I thought he was a lot better than what people were giving him credit for. I didn't know he was as good as he actually ended up being. Uh, 
I hated the signing because it was like, oh, another wide receiver when we desperately need every other position. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that let me like my that led me like to seep in hate for him personally, which wasn't you sour on him a little. Yeah, I soured on him because of the move that the GM and coach made. It was just like, oh, truth, another wide receiver. This is BS. But yeah, he's and he plays. You're like, mm, this guy's freaking yeah. good. And that's the thing is like, oh, I've seen Justin Fields. I don't want him. New offensive coordinator throw into Devonte and Jacoby handing off to Josh Jacobs. That changes things drastically. I'm not saying he's for sure going to be better now, but like we've seen what his physical skill sets are. Like the things you can't teach are almost all there, right? He's got to be better. He has to have to, he has to have a better, more accurate arm, but that's something that can be developed over time. Like it's again, to your, to your point, like athletics, athletic skill sets that can't be taught. Justin Fields has got most of them. And then he's out of a hell hole. In yeah. uh, in Chicago and on to like the tightest locker room and most beloved coach in, in the NFL. Yeah, plan. he comes he comes over to the Raiders. Okay, I, I'm I'm a big DJ Moore fan. Don't get me wrong, but he's not Devonte Adams. Mm-hmm. Mooney is not Jacoby Myers, and uh, you know, I think our running game is better by and large. A running back room, if you know, depending on what happens with Jacobs would be a better running back room. I think he has better weapons and I think he would have, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't come in as the savior. I think that that's one of the things is like, like, like you were saying about Cleveland Farrell that he, you can't escape your draft position, right? Well, Cleveland Farrell was a starting defensive end for one of the better defenses in the NFL with the, the giant, I was assuming the 49ers. Yeah. He's, he was, he was a starter there almost until he got hurt, you know, in, in, in the last game of the season. Right. But, he was a starting player for them, and he played a lot of snaps, and he was doing okay. But he wasn't asked to be this. He wasn't like he wasn't their f- number four overall pick. Yeah, Fields comes in, doesn't feel the pressure of having to be the first round pick, having to be the guy. He's just eleventh overall pick. Yeah, we haven't had a quarterback good since forever. He's gonna be the guy. Now it's like, oh, I got traded for a second round, a second yeah. round pick. I have. Who on my team now? I have like what this running game. I have this defense that plays pressures this. off. Weapons are there again. And, we keep bringing and, it up. Offensive coordinator, hopefully yeah. choosing correctly. One thing too is the, the offensive coordinator is not going to have the pressure of calling games like Justin Fields is a savior anymore. It's he like when it anymore. it's like when you get divorced, man. It's like you go to the bar and you're like the pressure's off, right? Like I can hit on whoever. Whatever, dude. Like I'm single now. The you know I'm out of that. I'm out of that hellhole. I'm out of the poison. All right, I strike out. Who cares? I'm swinging. I'm swinging for the fences. It's stuff like George, like George Costanza. He's like, hi. I'm 36. I'm unemployed. And I live with my parents. Yeah, you want to get out of here? He's like, good. <laughs> Make no off. mistake. That's that's genuinely a thing in football. Is pressure off trying something. Baker Mayfield this season, like it. Joe Flacco this season, just change, you know, change the scenery, pressure on good teams with you know it's, good offenses. I don't want to, I don't want to, I, 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 I can't impress this enough. It's also the coaching staff. The coaching staff isn't, isn't having to justify the front office's decision and selecting Justin Fields by how they call games, by how they set their offense. Right. Because the owner's like, dude, hey man, we got this guy in the first round. Like, you need to highlight him as a player. He, he's not doing that anymore with us. He needs to show up. 
and play football. Media room is 30 people deep every time he's at a microphone. Every single game, why did you lose? Why did you lose? Why did you lose? Like that wears on dudes. That wears on dudes over time. And 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 it, it, it can't be said enough, the offensive coordinator, how they call the game, how they put the the their their uh their scheme together, how they game plan to highlight a specific person. We don't have to do that anymore because it wasn't our first round pick. Yeah. Um, and that coaching room and that that locker room in general is going to be a big part of it too. And that should be one of the big things going for us next season is these guys loving their coach, loving each other, playing for each other. And that's such a like that's been the recipe for success for the race. Like the only times we've ever found success is on the back of that, right? Basaccia loved us to the playoffs. Uh, AP like loved himself into a job and everyone rallying around him and have an incredible defense with no turnovers, and no penalties. And that's been the MO for, for Antonio Pierce. And it's correct. And that's the strongest asset, but make no mistake. He's not a meathead. I think that's getting lost in a lot of this. Is that yeah, well, yeah, like people call him a, a cheerleader. He's not a cheerleader. He's a smart dude. He's just like he's just a, he's just a player's coach. He's like he's a smart guy who knows he he does know his ex now that he is inexperienced. And again, against this crop of AFC West coaches, be prepared for him to have some brain farts on the sideline being being green. But make no mistake, the difference between inexperience and dumb. Uh, Eli Manning was on uh, the Pat McAfee show on Wednesday. And one of the very last questions they asked was, oh, your teammate, Antonio Pierce, you know, you guys won a Super Bowl together. He's at the Raiders. How do you think he's going to do? And I love this answer. I hate Eli Manning, but I love this answer. <laughs> How can you hate Eli Manning, dude? He's a 500 quarterback. He's a 500 quarterback mouth breather, but his last name's Manning. He got every single advantage. He's got two chips, bro. He beat, he beat Tom Brady twice. He stuck it to Tom Brady twice. He's a 500 quarterback who quit football the second he got to 500, so he wouldn't lose again and be a below 500 quarterback. He got two chips, and he, he beat Brady both times. I'm good with it. He's a five. His record at quarterback, his winning percentage at quarterback is the same as your, yours and mine in the NFL. 500. Regardless, that should show you how much I love this answer that I'm using Eli Manning. Now, when you listen to him, don't listen to, to just what he's saying. Listen to what he's not saying. When you ask about former teammates, so often you get the, oh, he's a great guy. Oh, he was so good. Oh, I got a great story about him. And it's just kind of like reminiscing about a, a buddy you knew. Listen to how specific Eli Manning gets about our coach, AP, and his mindset. He's one of the smartest players I ever played with, with the Giants. Uh, just that middle linebacker. We talked all the time just about, you know, he was kind of the first person that I remember who would, would flip-flop a blitz. If we had a will-free safety and he saw, like, he would know, like, when I was changing a play versus changing a protection. And, you know, if he's like, hey, if I know when you're changing the protection, you make this call, and I'm going to flip it, and I'm going to bring Sam strong safety. And so we're going to be hot, or we're going to get blitz. And he did that in that first Super Bowl with Tom Brady a ton of times. And it, was, it takes a lot of communication and smart and, and kind of knowing the difference between – this is a protection change, and this is a change of the play, or this is a max protection, and kind of when to do it, when not to do it. 
And it made it hard, like going against him in practice and doing those things. He was, you know, asking questions, always wanted to learn more. He was listening everything linemen said, quarterbacks said. So he's going to be well prepared. He's going to coach up his guys hard. He's going to be a player coach because he's been there, he's done it. So I'm excited for him and that opportunity. Now, notice how he spent 95% of that talking about how smart he was. He's doing things no one else did, the first one to do stuff. And only the last like three seconds on like, oh, he's a player's coach. He's going to coach him up. We all know that. If Eli Manning wanted to just be generic and like hype up his buddy, he would say all the things we know about him. Oh, he's going to, everyone's going to love him. He's a football guy. He's going to coach the guys up. They're going to play their hearts out for him. That locker room's going to rally behind him, which would all be true. And we all know that. And that's his biggest strength. He spent 67 seconds talking on how, how smart he was. The first person ever to flip-flop blitzes based on the QB's call. Talked about how all that time about how smart he is. That was music to my ears. It's it, it's no it's no surprise to the Raider fans who saw this really shift in the defense because you saw like quarterbacks just throwing the ball right at us, right? Yeah. It, that normally doesn't happen. It has to happen when you a you know what's coming and B you're able to disguise it. So if we're able to disguise what we're doing off of tendencies that we've previously shown, but we know what they're going to do because of their calls, that's really what the chess match is all about. And if you have a guy on the field that's able to do that, if you're able to teach a Spillane or anything, a guy like that to be that guy, right on the field, you're going to get these, these, these easier opportunities. And if you show, there's no there's no defensive player in the NFL that's going to say no when AP goes up to him and says, hey, man, you should watch a video on this and this and this. And every week, you should watch a video this way. Teach him how to watch a tape, right? Because look what it did to the Raiders. Look what it did to Jack Jones. Look what it did to a lot of these players towards the end of the season who were just, just, just catapulted their play because of, of being in the right position, but disguising it with old shells and old old formations and old looks. And, um, I mean, Justin Tuck said it. Strahan said it. Yumanura said it. Uh, um, a, a lot of his, his, his play, players that he played with, uh, with the Giants, are saying it. He's the smartest player on our defense. He was the coach that was doing stuff like this. Like, this wasn't the coach telling him yeah. to flip a blitz. This was him telling his guys, hey, when they say this, I'm going to give you the sign, and we're going to flip the blitz the other way. It's one thing to be like a field general. You're like, oh, I've been trained, and I remember, and I will execute for you, which is a great skill set by itself. It's another thing to be the innovator on the field. That's a diff That's totally different to be like, okay, like we've been scouted out. I'm, you know, I'm just giving the marching orders from defensive coordinator, which is still a great skill set. There's another thing to be like, I'm going to do this off the whim. There's zero percent chance that this quarterback that I'm going against has been preparing for this because I just thought of it now. And that's where, again, experience on the sideline is low, but to have that type of mindset, to be an outside of the box thinker, to be an innovator in the heat of the moment, is what I'm hoping is going to just like absolutely accelerate Antonio Pierce's learning curve. Well, yeah, that's the difference between being a field general, right? And being the general on the field, 
Mm-hmm. Like he's just as smart, just as connected, just as 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 locked in as the defensive coordinator. He's he just a soldier and the mad scientist. Yeah, at the same time. Can be both. Love I'm, the, I'm the I'm the I'm the guard and the other guard mm-hmm. and the two forwards in the center and I'm the coach. Also loved his, you know, how what a great a communicator he is, how well he is at listening, all that stuff that Eli said. It's awesome. It's awesome it's to hear stuff, that. Man. It's it's it makes you get a new appreciation for what he actually did and how he was able to unlock these players. Because I mean, I don't I, I didn't think we necessarily had bad players on our defense before. They were just underproducing. Like we had these guys were high third or third round and up draft picks. Like these guys were guys that were supposed to be, you know, doing good things in the NFL. You saw what happened to the the, the Philadelphia secondary with Epps not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Like people were like, "Oh, Marcus, he's not, he's not that big a deal." We we can well, yeah, it, it, it's a big deal when you lose a quality player off of your secondary. Uh, so these are good players. Just you had to had to make make it make sense. When you can make something make sense, you get buy in. You get buy in. You could. Tell tell anyone to do pretty much anything. Well, and and to be able to to show like it's one thing to have like a resume on paper, right? Like, oh, AP, he's Super Bowl champion, Pro Bowler. You know, like he's going to be respected. It's like, well, you don't walk around with your resume stapled to your shirt. You need to show your res. You need to show why you have that resume every single day. I, I remember when I was working for my you know my dad's my dad's trucking company. My uncle's been working there, you know, at that time, 30 years and he's in his office, you know, head of sales and stuff like that. But he'd come down into the yard and like, and he'd show me how to like feel the, the hose that's going from the rail car to the truck and be like, you see that as soon as you start feeling that air, that means we're, that means we're down to a hundred pounds. Like these crazy, like, oh my, like this guy, like, I know he knows it. I know he's worked here forever. But I'm always, but it's another reminder. Like, yeah, listen to every. This isn't some old fuddy-duddy up in his tower that forgot about everything. This is a guy that can still like show you the little tricks of the trade and invent new tricks of the trade. <coughs> excuse me, as you're going on, that's the difference. He's not. He can't, he doesn't have to just lean on his resume. He's constantly a living, breathing resume with his knowledge, and that's what separates him as a leader. From these like kind of older guys that like yeah they got some Super Bowl rings but you know maybe they're not showing it quite as you know showing it the same way AP is yeah it, it really makes it makes a huge difference when you're trying to get people to buy into something new mm-hmm. is if you show them something and it works it's like okay now how many times do I have to do this for you to just trust me blindly. Yeah, you know, and I think I think he has that because this team really did a huge turnaround, man. And again, and like not just defensively, like you said, but also like like you were saying, the penalties uh, and uh, just Raiders were first in penalties. It's like, crazy. When would I ever gonna like that? You know how like in Russian spy movies, you you come up with like a sentence that'll never be uttered to like trigger the spy microchip in someone's brain. The Raiders are the least penalized team in football. That could have been one of those lines. It's never going to be said ever. It's never those words. That phrase is never going to be uttered. And we utter it today. Not only because of Antonio Pierce, but a very, very, very big part. That one is slightly behind. I like tuna fish on my frozen yogurt. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Jason Bourne. I'm ready. (laughs) 
Uh, well, again, I, I, I love bringing it up. Um, I think part of Antonio Pierce's love that he's receiving from his team, he does need a little bit. He does get a little bit of an assist from Josh McDaniels because he was just so hated, could not connect with players. Just You could just tell the locker room was disgusted by him. And then here comes AP, and he looks like so much better by comparison on top of being the right guy. Right, right. He's the right guy, and he's coming after Josh McDaniels. That's a great situation to be in if you want to be loved. And I know that's still the case because players are still bringing it up. They're still banging on him, dude. They're still banging on Josh McDaniels. Before I get to the tweet, you almost never see this because players aren't stupid. Players are businessmen, first and foremost. Players are a lot of things. They play for their teammates. They play for their families. Um, they play for pride. They play for, for, for rings. They are playing for the dollar sign first and foremost, which makes sense. You never hear players of ex-coaches trash them because they know maybe one day my former coach is going to be a coach or an assistant or a coordinator somewhere else, and I want to be able to have that job. I want to be, you know, if Josh McDaniels goes back to the Patriots and I'm a free agent in two years, I don't want to just like immediately eliminate that as a potential team that I can go to. That's why you never hear players publicly bash coaches, almost ever. And when Will Compton came down on Paul Gunther, uh, uh, Gunther three, two seasons ago, whatever it was, 30 seconds. He had 30 seconds on his podcast about like, yeah, Gunther, he'd have us do like 30 different third down packages every week. It was way too complicated. Gunther called him, yelled at him. Like it was a big thing because players never ever do that. And you don't want to do that because maybe Gunther's going to be, you know, a, I don't know a why anyone would hire that, but well, maybe like a linebacker coach somewhere, a right? Consultant or something like, like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, nope, don't hire Compton. He hates me, right? Which is why this speaks volumes, which is why this doesn't whisper. This screams from the rooftops. Jermaine Illuminor tweeted during the AFC championship game. Crazy, the old regime cut a player who's now starting left guard for the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship. Who would have thought so happy for my guy? He was talking about John Simpson, right? Former Raider John Simpson, cut by Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler. Now he was playing the AFC Championship game. John Simpson had a good season. Um, he was one of the most penalized guards in football. There is that. So not good. But he did start for them almost every single game played almost every single snap was a really good run blocker pretty good pass blocker had a good season and he was playing in the afc championship while the rest of the raiders were at home same as josh mcdaniels pull on their dicks the shade that he threw for no reason he was just watching a football game seeing you know watching his buddy you know former teammate playing we we've talked to we've talked to NFL players on this on the show before, right? We had AJ Hawk on, like we're talking about, like, oh, are you root for the Packers still? He's like, no, I root for the guys that I played with, you know. Like when yeah. Jordy Nelson came to the Raiders, like My I teammate. was rooting for Jordy. I wasn't, you know, Aaron Rodgers is now the Jets. I'm rooting for Aaron. Like I'm not, you know, that's who I care about. So Jermaine's watching his teammate and being happy for him, but he couldn't help himself. Instead of just being happy for John Simpson, he had to unbuckle his belt unzip his pants, drop his drawers, and take a dump on the grave of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler watching his buddy play well in a championship game. Just to give you a little bit of a of, of frame of reference here, 
nested jade silver. If you believe the hype, if you believe the story, nested jade Silvera got cut for doing pretty much the same thing mm-hmm. on his IG live, yep. throwing mad shade on the old regime. So uh, it doesn't happen often, and for it to be like this, like I mean, pretty pretty in your face. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely a deal. It has to be such a deep seated anger with these guys for it to be like, and again, it's like when you, when you get divorced from this crazy bitch, you hate, and then you move on and you have a new girlfriend that you love that takes so much of the sting off that divorce. When you're, you know, when you're divorced and you're by yourself, it sucks. When you're divorcing with someone you love, you basically, you almost forget about your divorce, right? You, you know, you've moved on and that should be the case with, with the Luminor. He's, he's got an Antonio Pierce and he had a, good season right like he's a free eight another he's gonna be a free agent so he's not it's not like he's locked into like a four-year deal and he's 33 to be fair josh downs ain't getting a job anytime soon belichick is not in the league so he ain't getting no job i mean he he get i guarantee you he'll get a job somewhere right my my point being illuminor is like with he had a great experience He's coming off of a pretty good season. He'll get he'll get picked up somewhere, make good money somewhere, right? He's yeah, in a good place. You know, it's not like he was. It's not like he was someone cut by Josh McDaniels, who's now unemployed and still pissed about pissed about it. It's like, oh man, I was good. This guy ruined me. You know, I'm giving handjobs under, <laughs> under a bridge somewhere just to pay my rent. Like, no, Luminor's in a good place. Played for a coach he loves. Had a good season. He'll be employed. It's a free agent. He'll get paid somewhere. Not crazy money, but he'll do well. Like he'll he'll be fine. And still, still, he had to take a dump on Josh McDaniels. That's the stink that he left on these on this team. I mean, he wasn't wrong. Oh, that's so so good. Shade for no reason is the shadiest shade. Like that's when he is. It's like, but also when it's like, just it's not like up for like debate. You know, it's just. Like legit in your face shade, can't be debated. Bam, there you go. Mm. So good. Um, you knew it was, you knew that's exactly what it was because then someone posted this gif, the wink of Josh McDaniels, and then he goes barf emoji after it. Barf emoji. Oh, Just in case there was like one percent of you that didn't know who he was talking about with that shade. Football players just love being cryptic for no reason. Like we know who you're talking about. Like Josh McDaniels know who you're ta- who we're talking about. What? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. What? Plausible deniability. You're crazy. Reduce what one bags? Uh, I mean, before we do, I want to talk. Oh, you want to do it? Yeah, okay. I really do want to talk about this. You brought it up. You do it. All right, guys. So really I don't know if it. you guys been following the news. But it wasn't this last week, but it was the week before that super, super cold game against the Dolphins. This dude in Kansas City had a watch party and lost track of a couple of his buddies. And they found these three friends frozen dead in his backyard in Kansas City. It's like this. I forgot what is his name in this thing. It was the it was the Chargers game. It was the it was week 18. Was it the Charger game? Yeah, it was January seventh. Oh, January seventh. January seventh went down. Charger game. They won by one point. A bunch of Chiefs fans. They were wearing Chiefs jerseys. They had a they had a watch party at this guy's house. 
And this guy, for whatever reason, it's like, well, he's a like a scientist, an HIV scientist or whatever. And uh, yeah, he, he just like lost track of the guys. They got so drunk or whatever after the game. He just forgot they were there or whatever. And there's like, there's like conflicting stories as to who know who was where at what time. So that so that the the toxicology reports aren't out yet, and that's going to tell us everything. Because the running theory is this guy created his own fucking fentanyl yeah. meth bath salt concoction, and his three buddies took it, passed out outside, and froze to death. Froze to death. He went home and went into bed. Like he went into bed in his house, fell asleep for two days. The fiance of one of the too. dead guys like freaked out, broke in, and just found three frozen Chiefs fans in the backyard. So this scientist made this freaking Das Wunder drug, and three guys are freaking frozen stiff in a guy's backyard who passed out for two days. That's crazy. Uh, an eyewitness said they saw them walking in with 30 packs that morning. So they're drinking something, probably took something else. Again, toxicology reports aren't out yet. I can't wait to see what that is. But imagine if the Chiefs had lost that day. They beat the Chargers by one point in week 18. Imagine how much like more messed up they'd get. Or if they took like an upper to try to feel better. Like if they just like smoked bath salts and they're trying to eat someone's chest right now. Still alive, zombie mode. Oh my God. So crazy. Couldn't have a city, man. Fan base. Trying to get trying to get fucked up in Kansas City. So you gotta freaking like invent shit. Like, what's wrong with the regular way? Well, it reminds me when um get a our, marker, uh, you, you would color the bottom of a paper bag and you breathe it. What's the yeah. deal? Like, well, it uh it, it reminds me a little bit of uh, a, a a friend of both of ours who went to chiropractic school in Dallas, and he's and from Orange County, where like you know people who aren't from Southern California, like for my entire life, if you wanted weed, you would just go to your neighbor who grows it. Like it was just so common down here. It wasn't a big deal to anybody. And I remember him telling me the crazy stories. Like, yeah, it's so weird in Texas. You have to like go to the bad part of town and do a drug deal to get weed. He's like, it was just so weird to him. Cause he was just, he was just so used to just being around and it was just like barely a drug and everyone did it. Like he was just like, Oh, we go to your neighbor and it's like a bunch in a Mason jar. Like here's 40 bucks and you're set. Right. He's just like, I went to like train tracks, talking to strangers, like getting dime bags. He was just like, like a legit so, freaking drug deal. Dude, a drug deal. Like it was like, it was weird. Like that's so like, we, for, we was... forget like oh, so much of the country's like, oh, like, is, like yeah. why, like why, like, why are Native Americans on reservations drinking like Lysol and shit? Because they, they don't get good Coke on, on they reservations. Get, they don't get, they they get, don't that get good anything. You're making up stuff. So I may or may not have forgotten that I had a couple of those, a couple of pens in my luggage mm -hmm. when I went to Dallas one time, and I forgot them there. And he, uh, he was the most popular guy in school for a while. <laughs> Ready to do some water winbacks? Yeah, fine. Let's do it. Jacob Richardson, 1455. The NFL, like the NBA, is just an association for rigged entertainment. Problem is, too many Americans are asleep in life and only care about dopamine hits to pass the time. We're like the ancient Romans, and it will eventually be the country's downfall. I don't know what the question is there. I just thought that was like the deepest comment we've ever gotten, and I wanted everyone to hear it. We're the ancient Romans. Well, head. I agree about the dopamine hits being our downfall. 
that's why I like a, like most people college your likes on their Instagram feed. Yeah. College age and under like have like TikTok brain, but they can't focus on anything more than like 15 seconds. Just looking for dopamine hits. Thomas Reynolds, 3590. Thank you for being a member. My man, you are officially a windbag. Memberships are available. You become Do a member it. today. Hi. What's your thoughts on Chargers ownership and Harbaugh actually getting along together for years to come? Well, that was always that was the big thing, right? Like I I was I'm blown I'm still blown away that Harbaugh is the Chargers coach because that would mean the Chargers have to do two things which they've never done with coaches, pay him and give him power. Which on paper they're doing. On paper, Jim Harbaugh has a lot of power. What's going to happen when the Spanos boys are getting flexed out of their uh, out of their meetings? Right? What's going to happen when you know Jim Harbaugh sits down at the conference table and just stares at Spanos Jr. and says, "Like, um, I'll take uh, onion bagel, cream cheese," and then goes to doing business without him. Toasted. I'd hate to see that happen, Soto. I would hate to see disgruntled, disgruntled uh, owners, sons of owners, dealing there's, with a, a rowdy Jim Harbaugh. So there's a lot of things that have to fall into place for an organization to be successful. And successful is especially consistently. And um, with the amount of talent that this team has had over the years, it's even even with when they had good head coaches, they had Schottenheimer, you know, they had these guys, even though they, they, they didn't have that late season success, you have to take a look at, at, at the ownership and like the culture that's in the front office and that that leads into decisions that trickle down onto the field. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of, you know, this, this charger fan hit me up on like on my personal Instagram, like started commenting to me on like one of my posts. Right. Usually they DM me, which, you know, whatever I, I'll respond sometimes, sometimes I won't, but it's always, you know, these sunshine and roses, but you have to understand. And this is what I was saying about Harbaugh from the very beginning. He's not easy to get along with. And and I think people kind of understate that because he has been successful. But when he was with the um, the 49ers, it was a firework. He was really successful right away. And then it just kind of like started to peter off, right? The reason why he was so successful um, with Michigan for so long was it took him a while to get there, but he had complete control over everything. So it didn't matter if you didn't like him. He was the last say. He didn't have an owner. Like people think that, oh, just because you're a, a Bill Belichick, right? How did that work out for him? And you have total control. Yeah, you, there's still an owner that owns it. You don't own the team. There's still an owner that owns the team. At Michigan, he was bigger than Michigan. He was like bigger than the chancellor, bigger than the president, bigger than all those people. He was Michigan. Here, he's. it's not the case. There's still an owner and a, and a meddling group of ownership children that it's just going to be a matter of time because you know you get you get people in a, in, a, in, a, in an enclosed uh, uh stressful situation and they're going to be who they're going to be they're going to be themselves after a while and from what we've seen the spanos children are a little bit petulant and they're going to meddle and harbaugh is just gruff and he's just hard to deal with it's just the fact of the matter so after i don't see it i don't see it ha- i don't see it taking too long 
Well, it's it's this way with everybody, but exponentially more so with personalities like Harbaugh. Winning solves everything. The Chargers start out seven and one. Whatever disgruntled conversations they may have, arguments they may have, it gets smoothed over real quick with W's. And that's the same with everybody. But when you have that personality like Harbaugh and you're meddling like the Spanos kids, it gets exponentially worse. A lot like a normal, well-tempered person who knows how to be a leader can handle a three and six start early on and overcome it. It's still early, guys. We can do this. Let's come together. A Harbaugh versus Spanos and a three and six start could send things south very quickly. It is absolutely essential the Chargers start off hot next season. When the schedules come out, obviously the first one I'm going to look at is the Raiders. The second one I'm going to look at is the Chargers. And if it's front loaded with tough games, a lot of away games early, we can see the Harbaugh experiment spiral out of control before it even gets going, especially with the cap situation they're going to be in. Yeah, I've been, a lot of the a lot of the issues that we're seeing is not our, at least this fan was very dismissive of a lot of the things that I was bringing up, like Austin Eckler probably not going to be on the team. Who's going to be your running running back? You have uh, a an, an older, not old, but they're like in the late. A lot of these players are in their late twenties. Mm-hmm. Like, you I mean you want to talk about running backs not lasting a long time? DBs don't last a long time in the NFL. So you have Derwin James, who's off injured and getting a little bit older. You know, Mike Williams can't stay healthy. You got, you know, Allen, who's old. Khalil Max old. Khalil Max old. Joey Bosa can't stay healthy. Like, you have all these things happening. Just Herbert's young, but can't stay healthy. Young, but can't stay healthy. You got all these things happening. On top of that, you have, you just, you have, I can't imagine it not being this way there. Where you have everyone in the front office who's not Harbaugh or Espanos just waiting, waiting for that pin to drop for something to happen. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, they've heard the stories of Harbaugh and they've seen it with their own eyes with the Spanos family. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not saying it's not, it's going to happen, but I just don't know when. We're being extra pessimistic, obviously, because we're Raiders fans talking about the Chargers. But this is all very plausible. Like this is this this not, recipe we're not pulling this shit out of our assholes. Okay, this, this recipe, is like legit stuff. The ingredients of the gumbo we're making are real. Like this is real. Like again, uh, look, Harbaugh's won everywhere he's gone. Fact, fact. He's more experienced than Antonio Pierce. He's a proven winner. These are these are facts. Also, facts. He shits where he eats. Oh yeah, and and it falls apart. Uh, Chris Puth, twenty six forty four. Glad to see the defensive coordinators coming in with Patrick Graham. Worried on the coaches left for offense to choose from. Some are terrible. Terrible. Um, I like the patch. I want to talk about the Patrick Graham thing first. Basically, all we've been saying it forever. Uh, as of as of this moment, um, there's only one head coaching position open available. Right, it's the Commanders. Or Washington, right? Uh, defensive coordinating positions are starting to fill up quickly. People were worried that we might lose Patrick Graham this season because he, he did so well. I wasn't because for whatever reason, he's been completely under the radar. He, he got a couple interviews. They were kind of token interviews. Didn't feel he never got a second interview. For whatever reason, I don't know why. I don't care. I'm just glad that's the case. 
no one really gave him a lot of attention. So I, I wasn't worried. We would, I don't think he was going to move laterally. I don't think he was going to go somewhere else to be a defensive. It doesn't player. make sense. If he wants to be it a head sense. coach, you want to stay where you built a defense and it's for performing. Right. And he didn't, and he, and he didn't turn enough heads to warrant a head coaching position. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't worried we would lose him. Next season, different story. But as yeah. of right now, I wasn't worried at all. And once the commanders get their head coach, it's basically zero percent chance he's leaving. We got the defensive coordinator we want next season. Hallelujah. Yeah, I, I I'm very happy with Patrick Graham sticking around. I don't think he's going to be the commander's head coach. I could be wrong. There could be just a random thing that happens. But uh, and like I like you said, he's not going to go to a lateral move because why would he want to start over with a new new place? Like he has a, a defense that's playing really well. That's going to make him look his best. Just stick around and write it out, right? Uh, but yeah, I, I think that. Uh, like I said, hopefully he's a bad interview, you know, but he's not. I heard I heard that people are very impressed with his his acumen, his football mind. Uh, but uh, hopefully we can squeeze out another year out of him. We'll get one more out of him, hoping for more, but we'll definitely get one. Uh, that's about it for us. Um, dry January is not yet completely over. It's uh, January 31st, 9.43 p.m. Uh, West Coast time. But when you guys are going to be listening to this, it'll be February 1st and dry January will be over. So with that being said, I am more of a windbag than I am existing in reality. I exist in your guys' reality. When are you guys listening and watching the autumn windbags? Oh, it's February. So therefore, my first beer in a month. Sharing with you guys. Tastes like the first time. You know when you're like your very first beer when you're really young, you taste the like, oh, that's barley. That's like you taste everything in it. Like you actually mm -hmm. taste the alcohol in like a Miller Lite. That's what I'm tasting. Mm. Like I'm just drinking a sh shitty. What am I drinking? A Modelo. I'm just drinking a Modelo. Like not like a fancy beer, but I taste everything in it because it's been so long cool. you know, like, oh I'll yeah you know how like uh like the best sex is sex with an ex-girlfriend because it you still have the comfortability factor but it still feels new that's like having a beer after a month of not having a beer mm. you know i i actually started with hard alcohol when i was a kid because like the the drink ah. of choice was like a rum and coke so i would just like sit on my uncle's or dad's lap or whatever and just sneak sips of the rum and coke i didn't have beer until i was probably in junior high i was beer we you know everyone goes through phases it was definitely the the very first thing i ever got drunk on was an arbor mist chardonnay that was the number Jeez, very first thing fucking classy and then it was just so mostly like silver bullets for a while and then i was big on the mickey's 40s for a while yeah i had Jack the oldies going Jack and Cokes were a thing for a while. And then and then you're just kind of all over the place. I had a gin phase for a while. Vodka tonic. I never got into gin, man. Gin just tastes gross to me. It, it I the gin phase was because it has a unique taste, right? That berry, like nothing tastes like it. So you're like, oh, that's something different. Like I wanna 
<laughs> or give it a whirl. You know what I mean? When you're still experimenting at that age. Mm. Like jerking off with your left hand. Like when you learn how to cradle your own balls while you're jerking off. Kind of like that. Well, that's it for us. Now that it's no longer dry January, things are popping. Soto and I were talking before. Um, we're going to be committed to crushing this offseason because there's a lot to get to this offseason. Um, the studio, like I keep teasing it. It keeps getting delayed. It's basically done. I just got to learn how to work it. The daughter's in preschool five days a week, and we have more free time for this. I basically don't have to parent my kid any ever again. I've moved to a cul-de-sac by my in-laws. Kids in preschool five days a week. She's free of her pops. Best thing that ever happened to her. So, focus on the windbags. So you'll see a lot more of us, whether you like it or not. And until then, knock on wood if you're with me. Yeah.